Well, as I said in the homily, it's such a uh, wonderful honor to see everybody together today and to welcome my very good friends, Sister Anna Luisa and Sister Angela, here to our wonderful home of Sacred Heart. And uh, as we prepare to listen to these great sisters tell us all about the luminaries and Our Lady and just all of this wonderful message, why don't we begin with a prayer. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Trusting in the guidance of our Lord through the intercession of our Blessed Mother, we pray. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Most sacred heart of Jesus, immaculate heart of Mary, St. Jacinta and St. Francisco. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and the Holy Spirit. To introduce my dear friend, Sister Anna Luisa. Thank you, Father John. Thank you so much. <laughs> it's very good to be here. Good morning to all that I haven't said yet. Um, let me just start to ask who is already a luminary here? Raise your hand. Oh. oh, it's so nice to meet you all. Please be sure that we pray for you every night, every day in our convent and all our convents in Fatima and. In Portugal, um, we are truly a very big family, this family that uh, gathers around the message of Fatima. So it's, it's a great pleasure to be here today. Um, as Father John was saying, I'm Sister Ana Luisa. Uh, I'm a religious sister of this congregation, Alliance of Holy Mary. And this time I came to accompany Sister Angela, that some of you know. Uh, and uh, um, she's the one that is going to talk this, this uh, weekend about the message of Fatima. A lot, so I'm not going to talk very, very much, okay? <laughs> I'll leave it all to her, okay? <laughs> she, speaks, she speaks of it because it's her life as if it's inside of her, and so you'll see. <laughs> okay, so the first thing I want to say is I want to apologize for my English because I think I tend to be misjudged because sometimes people might think I'm asking to be the first when actually I'm saying uh, I have thirst. <laughs> okay, because the TH is absolutely <laughs> difficult for me. Okay, so you're, you're ready for this, yes? Okay. <laughs> so I uh, apologize for anything that I might say that it's not a very correct English. Anyway, um, this is just to help me a little bit. <laughs> you know, when I was praying about this trip of us, uh, and praying about talking to you today. Um, and I also, I know that there are many teachers of the school here present, yes? Who is the teacher here? Oh, we, please, well, uh, I want to welcome you too, and thank you for being here today. Um, we're very, very glad for that. Anyway, when I was thinking about this and thinking about you, I was thinking that when I was a, a young girl, a child, I used to watch Indiana, Indiana Jones movies. You know? Indiana Jones movies? Yes? <laughs> and I used to dream about being an archaeologist and, you know, saving the world like Indiana Jones. <laughs> and I thought America is the place where everyone makes their dreams come true. Yes? <laughs> it's a little bit true. Yeah? You think? <laughs> anyway, as I grew up, that dream kind of fade away, okay? I, I realized that I would not be like Indiana Jones. <laughs> uh, 
And as God, I felt that God was calling me to be a religious sister, I uh, began to dream, or at least to try to dream, the dream of God. Yes? And the dream of God is our salvation. Our own, each one of us, and the whole world. Yes? And I, um, when I was thinking about coming here to America, I was thinking, I wish, and I think so, I think that uh, in America, this dream can also come, become true. Yes? <laughs> I know that you all have this dream too. Um, so it's very good to be here in America, not like Indiana Jones, but like a religious sister, talking about this grave matter, which is the salvation of the world. Now, Fatima, which is um, our, our, you know, our charism, is the message of Fatima. Fatima is nothing but this, a message that enters in this project, in this dream of God, of salvation of the world. That's it. Uh, you know, Cardinal Don, uh, Don Antonio Marto, have you ever heard of him? He's the bishop of the Diocese of Lady of Fatima. He uh, wrote also about the message of Fatima, and he knows a lot about the message of Fatima. He's a great bishop in our diocese. He referred once to the importance of the message of Fatima in these terms, and I'm quoting him. When Mary sets out to accomplish a mission from God, it is never about a small matter or about futile reasons. It is always about a grave matter, which is the world's destiny and the salvation of mankind. So the message of Fatima, says Cardinal Don Antonio, is about this grave matter of the salvation of mankind. This is the importance of the message of Fatima. And that's why we talk about it so much. And we love it so much. But I know that many of you here today know a lot about this message. But some of you might not know as much, okay? So just for us to, to be, you know, on the same um, page. <laughs> okay. uh, I'm going to sum very, very quickly the message of Fatima, okay? So the message covers a period of 13 years that start in 1916 with three apparitions of an angel. Actually, in 1915, there were uh, some manifestations of an angel, but it's in 1916 that the angel comes and meets Lucia, Francisco, and Jacinta, three shepherd children that lived in Fatima. Yes? And the, appari the, the apparitions of the angel are three. Okay? That's in 1916. I'm not going to talk about much of each apparition, but you'll have the chance to hear about that. But uh, then in 1917, these children, Lucia, Francisco, and Jacinta, had six apparitions of Our Lady uh, since May to October, every 13th of the month, except in August, when they were not there on uh, the 13th because they had been taken to prison. And so Our Lady appeared on the 19th. Yes? Then... Um, they, Francisco and Jacinta got ill, and Francisco passed away on April 4 of 1919. This year we're celebrating the 100th anniversary of his death. And then Jacinta passed away in February 20. Okay? And Lucia stayed all by herself, I mean, without her two cousins, the ones that had the same 
I had had the same experience of her. And she went to Oporto and entered uh, some time later in a congregation of the Dorotheans and went to Spain because back then the religious orders had been expelled from Portugal. So she had to go to Spain, yes? And Our Lady appeared to her on December, December 10 of 1925. And that's the apparition where Our Lady talks about the first Saturday's devotion that I know that you do here in Salisbury, yes, with Father John. <laughs> and then um, Lucia went to another place. She, this apparition was in Pontevedra in Spain. Then she went to another city called Tui, where in July 14 of 1929, uh, she had the vision of the Holy Trinity and Our Lady appeared. And that's the, that's the apparition where Our Lady says she asks for the consecration of Russia. Yes? And that's when the message of Fatima, or what we call the message of Fatima, ends. Yes? From 1916 to 1921. At the end of, the, of my presentation, we'll have um, a period of questions where you can ask some questions about this if you want, okay? And Sister Angela will help to, to answer. Okay. So this is just for us to be... Um, you know, aware of what is the message of Fatima. Um, <clears throat> the message of Fatima, what is said, what Our Lady says, what the angel says, what, uh, everything that goes on is one of the most, um, one of the richest messages that, uh, that ha exists of apparitions of Our Lady, okay? It touches almost all articles of our faith. All that is said, and if you study in this book, you can, you probably know already, Fatima and Lucia's own words, you can deepen the message and you will see that almost everything of our Catholic faith somehow is touched in this message. Yes? Okay. <laughs> and this richness is what brings us here today. But if it's so important... Why just only in 1917? Why not before? Why doesn't this message come before? It's an interesting question. <laughs> well, um, you know, the private revelations, that's what the message of Fatima is, and Sister Angela probably will explain this on, the, on this weekend. But this kind of private revelations, what it, they do is that they underline aspects of the public revelation that are important for our world today, okay? So if you remember, in 1917, we were in the fir First World War, and other, other wars would come, the Second World War, the Great Depression, so many um, hard things that was going to happen in the 20th century. And the message of Fatima is like an answer of God, a private revelation that comes to say, Look, this, this, this is important for today, okay? So it doesn't add anything to the public revelation, to the scriptures, to what Jesus came to say, but just underlines aspects that are very important. Okay, so I like to think, when I think about this, I like to think about the parable of the woman that lost a coin in the gospel. You know that parable? Do you remember what happens there? You help me here, so... It's not just me speaking. <laughs> Do you remember? There was a lady that had 10 coins. Yes? 
Am I saying it right? Father John Coins. Okay. And what happens to her? Do you remember? She loses only one. And what she does is, okay, just one, forget about it. I have nine. Is that what she does? Is that what she does? No? Exactly. She searches, she never gives up. But if you pay very close attention, what does she do first before searching? Anyone knows? Someone is trying here to say? No? She prayed, maybe, but that's not exactly what's there. <laughs> that would be a good thing. I, I prayed to St. Antonio when I, St. Anthony, when I was something. <laughs> but there was any idea? Oh, yes. What? She lights, she lights a lamp. That's it. She lights a lamp. I know this sounds basic. Okay, so we need to find something. We need a light. Yes? But you know, these parables, this parable comes in a sequence of the parables about the mercy of God. You know, there is the, also the parable of the prodigal son, the parable of the lost sheep. And what happens here is that it says in the gospel that that lady had to light a lamp to find what it's lost. Yes? I like to think of the message of Fatima like that. It's like this light that God lit to search for what it's lost today. You know? To enlighten this darkness that surrounds us, these dark hours that we are living in many aspects. Okay? I think this is an image that can help us to understand what the message of Fatima is. More than anything, it's a light that God lit to enlighten us in this path of, our, of ours today. Okay? Okay, so, so this morning, I'm not, like I was saying, I'm not going to talk lo a lot about the message of Fatima. I wanted to also address a little bit um, what is the life of the luminaries. Yes? I wanted to talk a little bit more about the luminaries. You know, one of our first sisters in Portugal, when they started to spread the message of Fatima, they felt like, like they were in a battle, okay? A battle of light against darkness. Um, and they felt like our houses, our communities, had to be like lighthouses, with the light of Christ to enlighten the, these society, these dark um, places around us, okay? Now, when I think about this battle against light, against darkness, I, some words come to my mind. I don't know about you. If you think about this battle of light against darkness, which words comes to your, come to your mind? Anything. Good versus evil, good. Evident. Yes, okay. You know, when I think about it, um, it comes to my mind words like hope against despair, Joy against sadness, faith against disbelief, love against hate, yes? Peace against war, mercy against revenge, compassion against indifference, meaning against vanity, life against death, communion against individualism, and so on, so on. I think we, we could add many words to this list, yes? Now, the luminaries in Portugal, they, they appeared in 1979, um, and they started 
um, it's, they started as this. The word says it for itself, luminaries. They wanted to be like groups, that's what our sisters thought, groups that through the message of Fatima could be these candles that God lit, okay? Amongst our societies, amongst our communities. Um, because it came clear more and more that each one of us as Christians and more as luminaries could be that candle that carries the light of Christ. And that uh, what was included in the message of Fatima was a great help to achieve this. A great help to help to make us be those candles, okay? That's what the message of Fatima does to us. Helps us to be those candles. And even more, this is important for today's world. And also the message of Fatima for today. Thus, the luminaries are these groups of lay people that are moved by the Holy Spirit. I know each one of, of you probably thinks, I'm a luminary because I want to. Yes? <laughs> That's true, okay. <laughs> but also because you felt called for that. It's the Holy Spirit that is moving you to become a luminary. And so th are, the luminaries are these lay people that are moved by this desire to be these candles today, okay? This light, through the message of Fatima and also with the help of our community. So to be a luminary is to accept to be enrolled in this school, and we are in a school, right? <laughs> in this school of Our Lady, like Pope Benedictus XVI liked to call to Fatima. That's how he, he used to call to Fatima, school of faith, hope, and love. And so the, the luminary seeks holiness in its daily lives in order to share this dream of God for salvation. A dream that we know came true on the cross, like Father John also today um, said. Um, you know, one of our founders, Maria Aurea, used to say to our Portuguese luminaries that as, and I, I'm not sure if this translation is right, but you'll help me, as goes our Lent, so will go our Easter. Do you understand? As goes our Lent, so goes our Easter. And she said this to explain that our final meeting with the Lord will be as wonderful as is now our desire to, to, to be with him, our desire for him, and our effort to find him today. That is, our meeting with the Lord will be as great as our Lent, you know, the Lent of our lives. Or also, we could say, the exodus of, that we go through, yes? Life as a Lent, as an exodus. And I say this because you know that Lent reminds us of the exodus, yes? The, when the people of Israel went off of the Egypt, the promised land, yes? And so let me talk about the luminaries thinking about these Israeli people that came out of Egypt, okay? You're not tired yet? Okay. <laughs> okay, so... You know, if you search in any normal dictionary for the word exodus, you will see that it refers always to the exit of one group of people, of a whole nation, from one region to the other. That's what it means, exodus, okay? And uh, indeed, what we see, um, what we read when we read the, the book of Exodus is that the Israelites go out of Egypt as a people, as a group, 
with Moses. And it's always a concern for the whole people. It's not a, never a concern of each one, okay? It's each one, but as a people. Do I make myself clear? Yes? Not confusing? And I like to think of this because, you know, Moses didn't went to Egypt and say, hey, everybody, every man for himself, okay? Go out, go out, cross, I'll, I'll uh, make the, the, the sea <laughs> be apart, and you go, every man for himself. No, it's as a people. And the luminaries group remembers this, that we are a people, and it's as a group that we can cross this desert. It's never alone. That's why communities are so important, and the unity. You know that we, in our congregation, we have a fourth vow. We have the vow of poverty, chastity, obedience, and we have the vow of unity. That's why this is so dear to me. <laughs> it's always as a people that we can cross this desert. Um, okay, so the strength of the community is really a key factor in our spiritual life. Don't ever doubt that, okay? It's very important. The community as a church that we are, as a parish, and also as a luminary. That's the intention of a group of luminary, okay? Because I can do a lot by myself, yes, but I can do much more as a group. Much more. And that's what we learn from the people of Israel. It's as a group, as a people, as a nation that they leave Egypt and that they, they find the promised land. So as luminaries, we live this dim dimension very intensely. The meetings are supposed to be this, this um, like a, a resembling like a, a family gathering, okay? Where each one feels accepted, each one feels that they can be heard, that they can be welcome. Yes, this is the intention of each meeting of the luminaries and to strengthen this community um, dimension. You know, for the Israelis, this was not always easy. There were conflicts, there were misunderstandings, there were different opinions, divisions, but they knew that it was only as a people that they could um, go forward. I, I know that in your groups of luminaries, that nothing like this happens. I mean, this, only in Portugal, okay? In Portugal, sometimes there are conflicts, there are different opinions, there are all that. Not in America, that's impossible, no, no. <laughs> but someday it might happen, and we have to know that's, that's part of the way. That's important. And while each one respects themselves, while we know how to listen and how to sometimes don't hold too much to our opinions, you know what I mean? This is important. It's important to live this, to, um, to go over all those things and go for as a group. Um, so this union, the same that we wish to have as luminaries and as Christians, requires some effort from our part, from each one, such as perseverance, like be faithful to the meetings. That's very important. <laughs> it re requires that we um, try try to come out of ourselves to, to listen to others, to listen to one another. It requires an effort to participate in the discussions, in what is being said, in what be, is being proposed. It does. It requires that. But it's an effort that is worth it, okay? 
that allows this, allows to create this union. Because, like I said, this is what will help us to cross the desert. Uh, you know, it is incredible to see how the three little shepherds, uh, children of Fatima, they were so different from each other. And how they became so united. You know that Lucien wrote about Jacinta this, and I, I'm going to quote, okay? It's in that book. I just wrote here to make it easier, okay? Says Lucia about Jacinta. I sometimes found Jacinta's company quite disagreeable on account of her oversensitive temperament. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you can imagine Jacinta, you know, being all, she had to be the center of attention, and that's, you know, Lucia didn't like that much. Francisco was the absolute opposite of Jacinta, the opposite, says Lucia. Francisco did not seem at all to be Jacinta's brother. <laughs> Unlike her, he was neither capricious nor vivacious. We can see how Jacinta was, right? On the contrary, he was quiet and submissive by nature. Few of us, says Lucia, liked to play with him, as he nearly always lost. <laughs> so that irritated Lucia also. And Francisco didn't mind at all losing, you know. He would say, you think you won? That's all right, I don't mind. <laughs> so the opposite of Jacinta, the absolute opposite. I think that the three of them were so different that I would dare to say um, that any of us would fit, you know, between one, uh, one of the three of them, we're there, okay? Because they were so opposite that we're there, okay? <laughs> But they shared the same experience, the same experience of God. And that experience brought them together in a new, unique way. We can see that a little bit before the apparition of July. You know that uh, before that apparition, Lucia was having doubts. She was afraid that it was the devil trying to trigger them, trying to fool them. And so she didn't, didn't want to go to the apparition of July. But suddenly she said, oh, okay, I'm going. <laughs> when, when she was going, she found Francisco and Jacinta praying for her. And they said they would not go without her. Not without, we, we don't dare to come. They, they wouldn't dare to go without her. So they were praying, praying so that Lucia would go also. This is how they were united. Uh, but also, this union of them, everyone could notice that. The mother of Lucia used to say, um, my, my life of these children, the life of these children is an enigma to me, said the mother of Lucia. When they are alone, they talk 19 to the dozen. <laughs> I think this might be an expression in English, 19 to the dozen. No, no. I think that's, they talked a lot between them, okay. <laughs> At least in Portuguese, that's what they mean. Yet, however hard you listen, you can never catch a single word. <laughs> it's, it, I, she said, I can't understand this mystery. It was the mystery. Others could tell, looking at them, how they were united, how they were in the same, uh, you know, uh, in synteny, okay? very, very um, together. And I would say, may other people look at our luminaries group and feel the same. 
and recognize the Christians of the first communities of the church, of whom someone would say, see how they love each other. That's what I would like for each group of luminaries, that people would look at us and say, look how they love each other. Look how they are united. And through that testimony, we are talking about the importance of the union of the church, of the union of the Christians. Do I make myself clear? Just by the testimony of the luminaries, that's what we are doing. This is very important. And you, we know how important it is today for the church to be united, even though all the bad things that have been happening, we have to support one another, you know? We have to pray for one another, like Jacinta and Francisco and Lucia prayed so much for the church and for the Holy Father. And so the luminaries are a testimony, and also through their prayers, working for this union. Okay, so the people in the, on their way to the Promised Land, they were guided by the Lord, okay? This is the second aspect. When the shadow, they, there was a shadow, yes, a cloud, a cloud, I think that's probably in English. Um, there was this cloud. When um, that cloud settled, they would settle, yes? When the cloud started to move, they would move, yes? Am I saying it right, Father John? Yeah, okay. <laughs> um, so the, the, the cloud was a sign of the presence of the Lord. Um, and this is one second very important aspect of the message of Fatima is the call to surrender our lives to the Lord and to follow him, to seek it for his will. Um, you know that in the apparitions, usually, what happened was Lucia made the questions and Our Lady would answer, okay? That was usually what happened. Um, but there are only two questions that Our Lady asks to them. Only two in the whole message of Fatima. There's a time where it's Our Lady that makes the question, okay? Do you know what questions are? One of them I know you know for sure. So the, the people that already study the message of Fatima. Anyone wants to dare to say? Mm, no, that's not it. That's, that could be a question, yes. <laughs> yes? Yes, something like that, yes. There are two questions that Our Lady asks, and one of them, um, oh, I'm sorry, just see this is. <laughs> are you willing to offer yourselves to God? And the, the question is larger, okay? It's to offer, to suffer all that is necessary, but are you willing to offer yourselves to God? So Our Lady, this is one of the, her questions, and this is what she also asks of us. Are you willing to follow God, offering yourself? Are you willing to seek his will? And the other question is very beautiful. It's on the apparition of June, where Our Lady uh, sees that, she says that Francisco and Jacinta are going to heaven soon. She's going to take them soon. But Lucia would, was going to stay for a little while longer. We know that's 98 years, okay? <laughs> but... Anyway, she knows that she's going to stay without her two cousins, the ones that had had that experience, of uh, that same experience of her, yes? And so she stays sad, yes? She gets a little bit sad, of course. And that's the second question that Our Lady asks us. Are you suffering a great deal? 
So, two questions. Making us follow, yes, the will of God, offering ourselves, but always um, caring about how we suffer. That's our lady, okay? That's our mother. <laughs> Are you suffering a great deal? And then she, on that apparition, she, I, will, I will say the rest in a little while, okay, what she says. But what I wanted to say now, it's this. The two kinds of question, uh, questions Our Lady asks of us. Are you willing to offer yourselves? And are you suffering a lot? Tell me about your sufferings. I'm here for you. This is what she tells us. Um, um, and the, what does it mean to offer ourselves to God? You know, as the people in the desert, it means to believe, adore, hope, and love him, God, above all, and our neighbor as ourselves. Let us not, um, we, we don't have to, you know, that's what Jesus says, okay? Love God and love your neighbor, your, yes? It means to do that while remaining attentive to his calling, to his word, as people who have a spiritual life and not just a natural life, okay? We are people that have a spiritual life. We cannot forget this. And not just a natural life. In Fatima, that spiritual life is made of this, this daily encounters with the Lord. Because, you know, one thinks, how can I follow the will of God? I have to listen, yes? I have to be in contact with him. That's what Our Lady says in the message of Fatima. That's what she's pulling the little shepherds and all of us to do, to be in that daily encounter with the Lord through her immaculate heart in prayer, especially the rosary. That's her main request in Fatima. Every apparition, she says, pray the rosary every day. Pray the rosary every day. Sometimes when I, I'm talking to young people, I say, why doesn't Our Lady ask pray the rosary? Go to Mass, that would be important, right, at Sundays, because... <laughs> At least in Portugal, many Christians, many Catholics are, you know, just not going to Mass on Sunday, for example. And I, sometimes I think, Our Lady could have asked that. She didn't. I mean, she would, okay? That's important. I'm not saying that. <laughs> the thing is that the, her most insistent request is pray the daily rosary. Pray the rosary every day. And also another request in Fatima that's, brings us to this spiritual life, offering our daily things as a sacrifice, as a holy offering, seeking, and through this, seeking to discern his will, to discern his will also through the holy word, through the scriptures, and through the life of sacraments. So I was saying that Our Lady doesn't ask this directly, but, you know, it comes, absolutely, it's a consequence. If we pray the, the daily rosary, if we want to have the spiritual life with the Lord, if we want to know him, if we want to meet the, him, then the life of the sacraments, it's, it's the, the place where we meet him at, you know, fully, okay? Especially the Eucharist. And that's why the little shepherds become so in love for the, for the Eucharist, okay? But I'm not speaking too much about this, okay? <laughs> like I said... So a luminary is not a luminary only in the two times a month or once a month in the meetings, okay? No. You thought so? No. <laughs> no. In the meetings, of course, this is essential. The prayer of the rosary, one-third of the rosary, okay? Because in Portugal we have a word for it. It's called tirso, <laughs> okay? 
but in English you don't have, right? You only have rosary. But what, are, what we do in each meeting is a third of the rosary, okay? Yes, five decades. Um, the meditation on the scripture, because we want to know the Lord, we want to discern his will, and the scriptures is his word. And the sharing of some theme of the message of Fatima, of the message of Fatima because that's our mean to, um, to be those candles that I was saying in the beginning. But after the meeting, in everyday life, the luminary is called to continue that spiritual life, to pray the rosary every day, to live the life of the sacraments, and to keep meditating on the scripture. Okay? So it's not just the meeting. The meeting is supposed to be the place where, okay, you get some strength for it. You remember this is important. You share and you have, you know, that little spark <laughs> to continue through the whole month praying the rosary, meditating on the scripture, you know, where you have that thirst, okay? The, the meeting is where you, you um, uh, have more thirst for that, yes? Not first, thirst. <laughs> the other day, you know, I, I, I saw um, a commercial that said this, obey your thirst, okay? <laughs> it was about some soda, okay, <laughs> Sprite, I think, I don't know. <laughs> But I thought it very interesting. It's true. It's like the luminaries meetings is where you have this first thirst. But then during the month, obey your thirst. Okay. <laughs> um, our monthly letters are also, also thought to help in this in a very simple way. Okay. Each letter contains some reflections on the, the gospels of each Sunday the message of Fatima, and some idea related to the magisterium of the church. Because like I said, the luminary are part of the church, are a li uh, living element, a living stone, yes, of this building that is the church. So we have to keep this connection, okay? And uh, also it's important in every meeting to pray for the Holy Father for the, for the church. Okay. <clears throat> So, because all things are very much connected, as goes our individual spiritual life, so will be our union amongst us, okay? So, how goes our spiritual life during the month? That goes our meetings, that goes our union as a group, and the reverse also true, okay? So, as strong will be our meetings and our group, and our union as a group, so will be better our spiritual life. That's the idea of the luminaries, okay? So, not tired yet? <laughs> okay. Okay, so notice how along the way, in the desert, the people of Israel, at a certain point, they face another people from Cana. Um, they outnumbered them in the battle. But during the battle, what does Moses do? Do you know that part? along the way where Moses goes, goes to pray for the Israelites that are fa facing the, I don't know how to say this in English, Amalekites, yes, uh, well, I don't know, another people that outnumber them, okay? And Moses, what he does is goes to the mountain and he prays for the people, you know? And he raises his arms and he notices that while he's raising his arms, the people of Israel, they are winning the battle, Okay? But as he gets tired and he lowers his arms down, the people of Israel starts to lose. 
And what, what happens then is that luckily for the Israelites, <laughs> Moses has with him Aaron and Ur. Yes? Okay, I'm, I'm going to say in Portuguese, Aaron and Ur. And those two men, you know, they hold these arms. They keep them up, the arms of Moses. Okay? And because of that, the Israelite people keep winning the battle. Okay? I like this image to talk about also what the luminaries are. Through this prayer life, through this spiritual life, that's what we do for one another, okay? We lift the arms of prayer and we help to each one of us and as a group and as a church to win the battle, okay? It might be an image that helps us. When times get hard, may the luminaries be those who can sustain one another through prayer. You know, it's very beautiful for us as a congregation to know that we have this group of lay people praying for us. It's very um, consoling to know that. And I hope you feel that consolation also, to know that we are praying for you all the time as a family. Um, and we pray for one another not only as a group of luminaries, but, but also as communities. As our country, we pray for also for our countries. Like I said, we always pray for our luminaries. You know that Pope Benedict XVI said once that even amongst the Christians, there's still very much this temptation to think that is power, weapons, politics that make the difference. He said this. We have this temptation to think that what makes the difference in the world is politics, you know, war and uh, weapons and um, power. And he says, no. He says that in Fatima, we heard about these hidden things, prayer, conversion, consecration. We heard about, hear about these hidden things, but those are the real force of the world. What really makes the difference, that's it. And as luminaries, we know that and we live that, okay? One third aspect, and it's my last, okay, <laughs> that I would like to outline is that the mission of the luminaries is, as I was saying in the beginning, to be a light. A luminary is uh, someone that carries the light of Christ to illuminate, to illumine the, um, the world through the testimony of their holy life and through our love, kindness, um, the same as Our Lady has to all of us. So we also have this mission. Um, you know that in the apparition of June, when Lucia was sad, like I was telling you, because she was going to stay here by herself, Our Lady told her, do not lose heart. I will never forsake you. My immaculate heart will be your refuge and the way that will lead you to God. This for me is the most beautiful sentence of the message of Fatima. I will never forsake you. My immaculate heart will be your refuge and the way that will lead you to God. She, as a mother, will never forsake us. But notice this. Um, this sentence that Our Lady says comes after saying to Lucia, she says, I will take Jacinta and Francisco soon to heaven, but you are to stay here sometime longer. And Our Lady says to Lucia, Jesus wishes to establish in the world devotion to my Immaculate Heart. So Lucy receives a universal mission, right? Jesus wants to establish in the world devotion to my Immaculate Heart. 
So Lucy received this universal mission to say, um, and afterwards to ensure of the consoling presence of Our Lady. Like the chosen people in the desert, they also they were chosen not to for themselves, okay, but to witness the power of God. Um, that's why they were so little, so um, weak. <laughs> uh, the people had to cross the desert with many difficulties. Um, but they were not chosen for, just for themselves. They were chosen to witness the true God, just as the church is called for this. So, and Lucian, like I was saying, also received this mission, and she felt, okay, I was chosen, we were chosen not for ourselves, but for this mission. And it's when she receives that mission that Our Lady consoles her, okay? And says, my Immaculate Heart will be your refuge and the way that will lead you to God. I find this very interesting. It's when she receives her mission that Our Lady says this. So, in one hand, she's asking, <laughs> but she's giving so much more, right? But it's, it's not for ourselves. That's what we have to understand. What we live as a group, what we are as Christians, cannot be just for ourselves. The luminaries are called to witness that love um, that they experience in the Immaculate Heart of Mary. So how can Lucia better talk about that love, that devotion to her Immaculate Heart? And that's, that's the second sentence. Because this heart is a heart that is a refuge and the way to God. So what she, does she have to do? What does she have to say? She has to say this. She has to witness this somehow. This heart as a refuge, as a way to God. Am I making myself clear? Okay, so this is what also we have to do. When we talk about this devotion to her immaculate heart, it's not just to say, okay, go to Fatima, go to put some candles, um, you know, uh, go to... That's important also, okay? That's very important. But more than that is to talk about that heart that is a refuge and the way to God through our own lives and through our own kindness and through the way that we also can be that heart to others. I, I can explain this, okay? The way that others with us feel that kindness of Our Lady, that um, consoling presence of her, okay? all the time, and how um, we, with her, feel like she takes us to God, that others feel that with us, okay? How we also always take them to God and not to ourselves, and not to our interests, and not to our own ideas, but to God, okay? So, dear friends, as goes our Lent, so will go our Easter, living this union with God and amongst ourselves in seeking to offer ourselves Daily for the salvation of all in our prayer life and through our sacrifices, we will witness already that final Easter when we too will gather the crowd of the resurrected, when we too will enter that promised land that we want so much. Okay, so now I will open. I think, did I speak too much? Am I? No? Okay. <laughs> I think I got a little lost in time. So I'll ask Sister Angela to come here now. <laughs> okay, thank you. <laughs> and we'll open up for questions, okay? Questions about the luminaries, questions about the message of Fatima. How long do we have? How much time for this? Half an hour, okay. 
We're good then. <laughs> The, the luminaries in, the, in America started in 2014 with the group of Frank. Uh, Frank had already a prayer group, Fatima prayer group, and that's um, when that's through there that all started. So we have now a group in um, in Virginia and the parish of Saint Veronica. Yes, Frank, I'm saying it right. And we have uh, another group there in Virginia um, in the parish of Father Smith that. I, St. Raymond's, yes, thank you. We have another group in Fort Wayne in the state of Indiana, and now here in Charlotte also. <laughs> yes. So it started to grow very slowly, um, but, but what matters is that the groups are strong and it, they can live this uh, to full, fully. <laughs> yes. And in, in Portugal, like I said, it started in 1979. And we have many, many groups, around 30 groups or more. Right now, I think more groups. There have been five dioceses. Five, dioceses. five to six dioceses. But in my country, we are only 22 dioceses. So <laughs> it's, it's a, a big group, yeah. Oh, yes. The, um, I'm sorry. You have a question also. To start a group? Okay. I'll, I'll, let me just tell about that um, analogy of the sponge. And I was talking about that because, you know, we've been coming to America for many, many years. Sister Angela has been coming since 1988. 1998, yes. 1998. And she's been in many places here in America. And we wanted also to have, you know, a group here, but it was never possible because we are not here. Our congregation is not here in America. We don't have any community here. So it started very slowly. And in this, I always saw also the will of God, okay? That's how God works. He works, you know, slowly, very subtly, um, through the hearts of people. Uh, and someone once explained me this using this analogy that I, I, I like very much. Uh, this person would say, you know how a drop of water uh, fell, falls into a stone? It makes a lot of noise, right? And the splashes all over. And it doesn't enter the stone, right? Now, imagine a drop of water fa falling into a, sp a sponge, yes, sponge, sponge, <laughs> falling into a sponge. It doesn't make any noise, enters, and it soaks the, the sponge slowly, yes? He, this priest explained to me that that's how the will of God works, not like a drop of water making a lot of noise and not, you know, entering, but like a drop of water uh, falling into a sponge. It slowly and it goes, it enters. Everywhere, that's the analogy. <laughs> so we have to have a lot of patience, okay, with God, because <laughs> I think he has more with us, right? <laughs> but anyway, what is necessary to become a luminary? Well, um, like I said, I think that we have to uh, see this as what God is calling me. Like the Holy Spirit is working in our hearts and it's, okay, maybe this, this is it, okay? This is... 
That's the first thing, to listen what God wants, to ask him, what do you want? Do you want me to become a luminary? Is this, are you showing me this path? And then we also have to want, right? This is always the two sides. <laughs> and if you want to become a part of a, a group, we just enter. There's a first letter that uh, uh, anyone who enters has that letter explaining the mission of the group, the charism, the, the connection to our congregation, um, and well, all those, those things. To begin a new group, that's a different um, process. Uh, each group has what we call an envoy, yes? It's like the person that it's... Envoy, it's the one that is sent somewhere, right? So the envoy, it's a responsible person for each group of luminary. For example, Frank, it's our envoy uh, in the group of Virginia. Mary, it's our envoy here in the group of Charlotte. We have... Each group has its own envoy. And that person has to be a person that knows the message of Fatima, that connected to us, and uh, ideally that made this course of, the, of Sister Angela. It, it's very, very important that. Um, and that we get to know this person, and this person gets to know us, gets to know our charism, you know? And then that person um, makes the group more dynamic. It receives the... the, the spiritual letters, it uh, schedules the place of the meetings, usually with a parish priest, because each group needs to have the approval uh, and the permission of the, the priest, the parish priest, okay? It's very important. The meeting, it can actually be in the house of someone, if that's easier, okay? But it has to know, the parish uh, priest needs to know and to approve, okay? And so... I, Sister, Angela, she, Sister Angela has worked with our luminaries in Portugal since she's been in the congregation almost. <laughs> so she can say something about this. No, but yes, but Anna Sister Ana Luisa explained quite well. It's um, to form a new group, the, the one, you know, a group to work needs a responsible person. Otherwise, to be not only a link with the community, the congregation, and the group but also to receive instruction and to be responsible, you know, to organize the things. Um, yeah, but the most important thing is to have someone that is like the dynamic person of the group to, to gather other people. And Eloisa said a very important thing, the connection with the local church, which is the parish priest. Um, of course, because like she said, the, the aim of our groups, of our, it's a lay movement basically, connected with the religious community, connected with the biggest message, which is the message of Fatima that is connected with the church. So any of these steps in this link can be broken. It has to be there. Of course, some parish priests are more supportive, like Father John is a great priest, but I don't know, maybe in the future, a long future, he can be moved from the parish and the luminaries can still go on. Do you know what I'm trying to say? So that's why it's not only in the dependence of the parish priest, but it's important that he knows, accepts. And above all, you see, what, what was our difficulty when coming to the States is that in Portugal, our bishops know us. And we are, we have like an open uh, door to, to open new groups in each diocese we are going because all the bishops know us and we are recognized by the bishops. Going to other countries, it's essential, it's a key essential thing to be approved by the bishop, or at least to have the permission of the bishop. You know what I mean? So, but usually we don't go to the bishops to speak, we have priests. 
that make this link. So all the, the historical development of all this story of us coming to the States was just the circumstances, like it was in Portugal, you know? How do we know that this is the will of God? Okay, we know Fatima is the will of God. Okay, like Anna Luisa said, it's a charisma given by God to the church, approved by the church. We know that. Our congregation, the Sisters of Alliance of Holy Mary, also approved by the church. That means it's also the will of God. And the luminaries is lay people connected with our spirit, living the message of Fatima in your daily life, according to your skills, professions, and things. So, but we have to be in union with the local bishops through the parish priests, okay? But it's an independent group. If the priests, for example, in some parishes in my country, the, bishops, the priests are great supportive. Others are not so much. But they have to know we are there. <laughs> you know what I'm trying to say. We don't want to do so. It's just to be connected, the practical questions. And then to be a member, practically, is that what Cesar and Eloisa said. Because in fulfilling the message of Fatima, we have an individual level and a community level. Okay? The individual level is what we are called to do in our daily lives according to the requests of the Blessed Mother. Praying the rosary every day, living a life of sacraments, reading the gospel and meditating the gospel, fulfilling the Ten Commandments. So easy, right? <laughs> it's that. It's my individual member of the luminary. My community member of the luminary means we have those meetings once or twice a month, according to the possibilities of the local groups, trying to live one or two aspects of this message. The rosary as a family, like she says, this is so important, this family like environments in our meetings, and um, meditation on the gospel, because without the gospel, we don't know who is Jesus. And in order to imitate him, which is also the aim of the message of Fatima, we need to meditate on the gospel, and, and being in union with the magisterium of the church. Okay? Father? The profession? Okay, they did. Okay, do you want to do it or you want me to do it? Okay, so we have two founders who are lay people. Not our exper no experience as a nun, okay? Our founder, some, most part of the new communities, the founder was a nun or a previous nun. In our case, they were only teachers. Only teachers. I'm so sorry, I don't mean to insult you, okay? I mean, they were teachers. <laughs> The best of all, which is a great job and a great uh, mission. That's why probably they had such a gift to explain the message of Fatima. So they were lay people, teachers, and uh, one of them was a primary school teacher. So first grade to fourth grade, which is a great challenge. And another one was a high school teacher of art, art and mathematics, but mostly art. She was an artistic woman. She was a genius. And uh, this artistic one, her name was Aurea, Aurea, and the other one was Claire, like Anna Luisa said. Um, and the beautiful thing is that Aurea was not even a good Catholic in the beginning of her life because her parents were atheists. She was baptized because of a grandmother desire, and then she was abandoned the church. You know, she was never. She made only the first communion at the normal age of seven, eight, and then she left the church. Not because she was willing to, but because the family did not bring her. 
until one moment in her life that she had a conversion, okay? Can you imagine, like all the converted people, they became so in love with God. You know, they, those are the passionate testimonies is when we are so much time away from. But her conversion, like happens many times, was not everything done in one moment. She had the process. Okay, first she was connected with Jesus, and then in the 50s, 1954, 7, in Brussels, the 50, 1958, she knows all the things, and it's in the paper, right? Okay, I just know the dates about the message of Fatima, all these, I'm not an historical person or person of history. Okay, she was in Brussels for this expo, Worldwide Expo, and she was a she also used to write very well. So her father, who was the owner of a newspaper, sent her to this exhibition to be like the report, the newspaper, the news, okay? So she went. She was small and very, she had health issues, so she was, you know, uh, big size. And she was tiny little sister, okay? Tiny little woman, knew nothing about Fatima. But she went to Brussels, um, yeah, okay, Central Europe, in the Cold War, after the Second World War, okay? Here she is. And the, in the end of each day, they had like some buses to take the people from the exhibition to their homes. And here she is in this bus full of people, and nobody gave her a seat. And she was, okay, short, with mm, millions of leaflets and papers, you know, collecting all these things. And she, she, had, no, she had no way to, you know, to hold her in the bus, and there was no seat. So she was so much in trouble that this kind person gave her a seat and she sat. And they understood she was not local, that she was foreigner. So they asked her, where are you from? And she said, I'm from Portugal. Nobody knew. Portugal? And she says, close to Spain. Ah, Spain. Everybody knew Spain. So she got furious. I mean, how do you know Spain and don't know my country? <laughs> she was very patriotic, okay? So, they start to make her questions. Uh, tell me what your country is about. And she was trying to figure out something that make them understand what was my country. So she spoke about the Oporto wine. Remember? So, uh, no. About, I don't know, the Fado singers. She was giving the best we had. And nobody recognized my country. She became even worse. Okay? Then she thought, hmm, Fatima. I know. Well, the only thing she knew about Fatima in those days was there was Our Lady, three children, and a tree. So she says, um, okay, imagine a bus full of people in a country of the Central Europe with this foreign woman, that, and they know nothing about Portugal, but they heard the word Fatima. And the only thing she knew was this. So she says, well, I am from Fatima, from the country where is Fatima. She experienced, and that's how she describes, like a, a lightning touching all the bodies, and suddenly these 50, 60 people looking at her, saying, please, tell us, how does Fatima help peace in the world? And she was like, Fatima? <laughs> and peace? Yes, please, tell us, how, how, how can we help the communism? And how, how does Fatima help? She was like, Fatima? And the communism? I mean, she th her idea about Fatima was that it was only 
pious thing, you know, of poor ladies who know nothing about anything, so they go to Fatima, or spiritual things about the church, but not this political impact, you know, a peace, communism, you know, salvation of the world. She was so, you know, amazed that she, when she arrived to her room, she says, if this is true, what I experienced, you know, I will dedicate it all my life to this. So she arrived to Portugal, 58, and surprisingly, she found so many books about Fatima. Not even Fatima and Lucia's own words. Because this book was only published on, on the 70s. This is amazing. So she, she looks for the books about Fatima, she looks for all them, and she finds nothing, and she understands one thing. Apparently, it seems that we have Portugal, this great gift on the first hand, and we are not doing anything for this. So she starts to go following all the priests that was, could speak about Fatima, so she could learn what she experienced, but she couldn't understand or explain. And while she was knowing more and more and more, she was getting more and more convinced that this is something from God for the peace in the world and salvation of souls. And we are not, we, Portugal, are not doing nothing for this. And so, again, and this, in this process, another woman joined her, Clara, was the primary school teacher, you know, with the same feeling, with the same desire. Well, eventually, in the 70s, there were five, five of them. And the third one joined them, another primary school teacher. She's still alive, is Alice, because our two founders are dead. And okay, they start to pray. They were not willing to start a religious community, okay? They were just willing to spread the message of Fatima with this conscience. We have this gift and we are wasting it. Worse, we are not sharing it with other people, okay? So they... You know, like in the gospel, we are responsible for the gifts we receive, right? Remember the parable of the, the, the Lord who gave those gifts to the three people and asked them, go and, you know, increase them? And the one who was hiding the, the gift, he was um, punished or anyway, God corrected him. They were feeling this. Portugal probably is a very tiny little country. Probably looking to this parable, we only have one gift and we are throwing it away. So being aware of this, that we are responsible for the gifts that God gave us, and Fatima probably is the greatest gift God gave to our country, they devoted their lives to spread the message of Fatima. Being aware, probably, probably God is not so happy with my country. So, and they were feeling something can going on. So in 1974, 20, April 25, we have this revolution, sort of a communism one. So we were under the communist government for 18 months. And these five women, two went to the north of my country, two went to the south of my country. Okay, we are only a very tiny little country. Can you imagine Chicago plus three million? This is my population, okay? This is Portugal. So we are very tiny little 10 million people. They split the four of them and one were staying home to pray for them. And they were just spreading this. They're asking people, lay people, to pray one rosary every day, so five decades of the rosary, like Ana Luisa explained, the basic of the message of Fatima, in 
in reparation to the Immaculate of Mary, another aspect of the message of Fatima, for my country, for Portugal. When they raised one million of Portuguese people, one million, 10% of our population, they offered these 10 million that were pledging themselves to do this. And, uh, okay, we were uh, under the communist government. They offered in the Feast of the Christ the King, November 23rd, 1975. Two days later, with no explanation, the government just disappeared. The communists went away. So they experienced the efficacy, efficacy of the message of Fatima. So what they understand, and this is the beautiful story about our relationship with America, before we, the sisters, started as a canonical approval congregation, the first group was the luminaries of Holy Mary. Because they knew we are just five. We cannot spread the message by ourselves alone. We will, will not get so far. So let us find lay people and priests also, and also some bishops. We have one bishop joining us, Don Alberto. To leave the message of Fatima, you see, not our charisma, the message of Fatima in their daily lives. So we can be instruments in the hands of God in the history of salvation. Like Anna Luisa explained so clearly. So that's how our group that we call Luzeiros de Santa Maria, Luminaries of Holy Mary, got started. So they started and only then we were approved. First as a pious association of the faithful and then as a religious congregation in 2002. So, and the beautiful thing about this is in the United States, it seems it's following the same path. First, we start the luminaries of Holy Mary, and eventually the sisters will come <laughs> to the States. That's what we are thinking about. So this is how um, these, all these movements started, with the experience of these two teachers, realizing that we have a gift and we are responsible for living and sharing it, because God will ask us, what did you do with the gift our, our lives first, our faith second, and all the gifts I gave you. And by spreading them, they were using lay people in their local parishes, homes, to live this charisma in order of salvation, you know, to be instruments in the ends of God. So that's how everything developed with three teachers. Yes. How do I feel about being the lucky one? You know, first of all, I feel the responsibility. Well, of course, I'm very thankful to be a member of this history, but let's enlarge our horizon. One question that I always made myself, why, God, did you choose such a small country? I mean, it would be much easier in the United States to spread this thing, let me tell you, okay? You have the networks, you, you have people enough. I mean, we are only 10 million. You are millions. I don't know how many millions you are. Three, three, zero. 300. <laughs> See how many This is so funny. 10% before. This is so funny, isn't it? We are such, you know, we can, okay. Um, what I see, um, and this, in this global area, we can understand this and see we are members of the human family. That's it. The thing is, God, looking to his way of behaving, how, how God is, you, if you go to the scriptures, it seems he always chooses the smallest people 
our groups to show that what is happening is his work, not our will. And I think Portugal fits in this, uh, you know, in this um, paradigm, in this model of acting. When God was, you know, remember the chosen, why, when he chose David, King David, to be the great King David, even the father himself had forgotten that he had another one. When the prophet Nathan came, where are your children? He, he almost didn't remember David. So little he was. But God chose David. So we can see. And even in the battle between David and Goliath, who is winning? The tiny little smallest one. Because we can understand then that this is the work of God. When, even when the chosen people asked God, why did you choose us, being the littlest people on earth? Because you are exactly that, the smallest one. So everybody can see that what's going on, it's not your will, your strength, but it's my will, my power. The same with the Blessed Virgin Mary. The smallest, you know, they chose Galilee, which is not a very good thing to be in the Jerusalem area. And among the people in Galilee, she chose the smallest one. So we can see this is his work. Portugal fits in this trend. I don't know if I'm being explaining myself. Because we are so small, and among my country, it chooses a place, believe me, Fatima, it's not beautiful. I mean, the place where I was born, it's one of the most beautiful places in Portugal, of course. The north of my country, it's, you know, full of trees, full of the vines, that's where the Porto wine grows. With the river, Fatima is dry. Really, it's, it's uh, art, um, if, you, if you look, if you think about the perspective of the landscape, it's why God, Fatima. And among Fatima, he chooses three children of the, one of the most poor family. You know, he goes down and down and down. It, it, I mean, probably there was no worse than them, according to be little. So unworthy. Uh, and this is how God shows us uh, this is his power, not us. And even my community, we are not a big community. Um, and that's why also we are not very impressed when the luminaries group are small. For us, it doesn't, you know, that it's not the quantity that speaks about. Uh, it's always about being chosen by God, God chose us, and our possibility to say yes or no, our freedom. And when we say yes, miracles really happen. Okay, so that's what I feel about being a member of my Portuguese country. <laughs> We are in a good way. We are small. You see? No, because you see, the only thing, the really, that's why the greatest sin is proud, pride, is the worst one. Why? Because um, stops God from being God. I became the God. I become the protagonist. When we are too big, too important, too proud, too look how I'm good, okay? Then we are saying, I am the protagonist not God. And we, when we, there are instruments in the hands of God, became the role, take the role of protagonism, we ruin everything. But this, as a mother, as a father, as a priest, as a sister, no matter what we do, I'm sorry? As a teacher? <laughs> yeah, when we are the protagonists, we ruin everything, as you, as, as you know, you know this better than me. But when we accept our role is to be instruments, um, it's, there is the humility, the um, being humble that God wants us. And you see, even the message of Fatima is so humble. Nothing spectacular. Rosary? I mean, rosary? 
Really? Just that? When we see, for example, the, I, I, well, I'll do one, one talk on the rosary one hour, so I, I cannot explain now, but when we see the smallest and the simplicity of this prayer, and we become to know how much powerful is this prayer, really, my reaction was, really? I mean, so much for such a little thing? Aren't you wrong? I mean, it's, what is wrong about this? Well, the wrong is my pride. Am I, are you following me? Yeah. So this is all about being small. Instruments. There is another question. Nazare and Ortiga? Always in Portugal? Yes. Yeah. But, no, they, no, they don't, no, they don't really, well, both of them are pilgrimage center, but very, very, very small. And they were very circumstantial for that person only to whom Our Lady appeared. Ortiga was to a little shepherd girl that was deaf. Yes. So it's, it's but um, there was no message given, no words. was just for the good of that person in concretely. And then they created like a little church for pilgrimage. And um, there is no message specially for the world, for the church. So the, the great difference is that the message of Fatima or the apparitions of Fatima approved by the church um, contains a message or, um, yeah, a message that is not for the good of them exactly, only, but it's for the whole world. So. Well, I just want to say a very special thank you to our good friends, Sister Anna Luisa and Sister Angela, once again for being with us. And I'll tell you, it's uh, such a joy to be able to bring together both the luminaries. That was kind of the plan for a long time, but also I wanted to make sure that we had our whole school, faculty, and staff here today, too. I know you are, all aren't members of the luminaries per se, although you're welcome to join. It'd be great to have you. But... Nevertheless, it's, uh, and that's why I really wanted you to hear the history of this beautiful order, these wonderful teachers and getting all of this going. And as the sister said, it's like, you know, what is, what's the line? It's like, if you're upset about the darkness, don't curse it, light a candle, you know? And so when you think about all the little lives that come through here, that our, our wonderful teachers, our families, have the awesome privilege and opportunity to get to affect and lead in the right way, to help them to become little candles. But at the same time, I think is so good with the message of Fatima to remember that little Francisco, Jacinta, Lucia, when all this is happening, they're 8, 9, 10, 11 years old. I mean, they're young. And so to think about you know, our Lord choosing them to change the world, the same thing is happening with our 185 little guys that are here every day, our little ones that are here every Wednesday night. You know, just the fact that you know, our Lord works through all of those things. And so I wanted you to hear about the, the history of this beautiful and inspiring order, um, but you know, just also to, to be able you know, to take that in and to have that every day. The one other thing, and the sisters will tell you from the very beginning that I've been so impressed about when I heard about their order, is their special fourth vow. Of course, we all have poverty, chastity, obedience, but they take a vow of unity, and they're honest about it. It's so great. They recognize the fact that they don't just get along perfectly just because they say they do. They're trying to live this out, and I was so blessed to get to have dinner with them what, every night when I was in Fatima. It was great. They put up with me. It was wonderful. It wasn't even Lent yet. They were willing to do that penance. It was so great. But just that they're striving to live out that unity. And as we 
are together as a parish community, as luminaries, as teachers, faculty, staff, all of us together here at Sacred Heart, that's striving for that unity. It doesn't just happen because we say it, but that striving to be together um, helps us to, you know, bring that candle you know, in there into a dark world. We know there's just like more and more challenges all the time, the craziest stuff we have to deal with. But at the end of the day, you know, our Lord stays with us. And so to continue to have that hope, to have that message of Fatima as we come together and support each other, it's just so important. So um, so glad we could all be together today. I just want to thank uh, also Mary and Frank for, for making this possible and for doing all this work to get the sisters here. And also, as a special thank you gift, I have to tell you, I'm a little bit tired today, but it's because along with the sisters, I got to do something last night for the first time in my life, and that was to go to an NBA game. And the sisters talk about, you know, little Portugal. Now, I feel super tall when I'm with them anyway, right? I feel like a little guy when I go to the NBA game, right? They're giants. It's insane. But it was so much fun to get to go with the sisters to see the excitement of them. We didn't get to see Michael Jordan. That was the hope. Sister Angela was a huge Bulls fan back in the day when they kept winning. And so was I. So it was like already that, you know, that kind of connection from back in the day. But we got to see them. Sister even got a t-shirt. It was wonderful. But I thought... I don't want the only thing that they take back, you know, apparel-wise to, to beautiful Portugal is the giant Charlotte Hornets stuff. I want them to have something beautiful from right here at Sacred Heart. So Mrs. Michaels has these wonderful sweatshirts for our dear guests. Oh, you're going to love it. It's so good. So you can take Sacred Heart back with you. And then hopefully, eventually, we can just get them here to live right here on these grounds. So let's just keep praying that happens, too. We'll get the sisters here. So you can take Sacred Heart back with you. We'll eventually get you here. So it's so good. I have to tell something. Please. Okay. Last night, I was so excited watching the game. And I was in the car. And, you know, it was like a lifetime dream watching this. Probably for you, it's like, who cares? But for me, you know, being in Portugal with my brother, watching the NBA games every single Saturday. Here I am finally. So I was in the car, okay, me, well, Ana Luisa, father, and I asked Mary, okay, this Mary, I asked, Mary, does the bishop ever come to the game? And she says, suddenly, no, 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 he's a holy man. <laughs> I said, oh, I, uh, I, I, I was like, uh, mm. So I said, well, I, I take that as a compliment, I think. <laughs> so, I'm so sorry if I'm not holy. <laughs> but we enjoy the game. <laughs> so I'm not very thankful to Mary. <laughs> well, as you all will know, I put my foot in my mouth quite often. But um, we're just so happy to have the teachers here in particular. And I just wanted to remind you that we do meet on the third Saturday of the month. So just mark that on your calendar and you'd like to come join us for our luminaries meeting. We, have, we follow the Saturday morning schedule here. We have Holy Mass, then we say a rosary, and then we have our meeting. But just to make next month, since it's Holy Saturday, we're going to meet the week before. So I'm going to get permission, if it's okay with you all, with um, the principal to share your email address, and we'll just give you notice. And then if you prefer not to get future emails, I won't 
bother you anymore, but we typically send out a reminder, and maybe, and we usually, we have a little book that we start, we're reading as a group, but it's a really informal, as Sister Annalisa so beautifully said, you know, what the luminaries are all about. So I hope you give us a chance and just come see what we're all about, and we'd love for you to join us. It's only one hour, so we get started early, and then you're going with your day, so it's a, it's a wonderful opportunity, okay? All right, thanks so much, and thanks, Sister Annalisa, beautiful, and Sister Angela. Yeah. Absolutely. And so you have cards Oh, beautiful. Because I am. Yeah, you want to talk to them? Yeah. Well, um, that's one little thing we brought you. Uh, as you know, or as you, I am also in, now in charge of the cause of canonization, cause of Sister Lucia, which I also need prayers for that. But we brought some holy cards from Sister Lucia. You know, before I used to bring up Francisco and Jacinta because I was in charge of the cause of Jacinta and Francisco, but now it's over. We are saints, okay? Let's move on. <laughs> so now I'm bringing the, saint, the pictures of the way. So it's just a little third-class relic. That's the only one we can only distribute now because she's not yet venerable, only servant of God. We don't want to anticipate to the church wherever, but that's our, our mission. And because we really tr truly believe she's a powerful intercede intercessor for us in heaven. We will give to each one of you the luminaries, okay? So. Thank you, sister. Perfect. And uh, just one other announcement. So, you know, the sisters will be speaking with that retreat at Belmont Abbey beginning tonight through Sunday midday. And there's still a few seats left. If anybody's interested and you have the weekend free now, come on down. Um, yes. Yes, yes. Just come on down. It'll be great. And um, we have stations starting in about 10 minutes, so, uh, so we'll wrap up over here. You're all welcome to come to stations today, and I hope you enjoy the beautiful sunny weather. And why don't we, as the, as the holy cards get passed out, we're going to close with a prayer here. Today's Sister Lucia's birthday. Today's Sister Lucia's Wow, say Sister Lucia's birthday as you get the holy card with the third class relic. So awesome, so beautiful. Let's go ahead and close up here. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Heavenly Father, with grateful hearts, we thank you for this time together, for the gift of our friendship, the gift of unity and peace, and help us to be lights to bear this message of hope to the whole world. And we ask this through the intercession of the Immaculate Heart of Mary as we pray. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. The Lord be with you. May Almighty God bless you, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Go in peace.